Hello and welcome to Kohler Commentary. I'm super excited to release a dedicated Father's Day episode this week, highlighting two best friends that became first-time dads throughout the pandemic. Dad number one, Jun Chong, currently lives in Seattle with his wife Ashley and daughter Olivia, who just turned one. He works as a product manager at Amazon and loves to explore new areas of Seattle. TV shows, foods, and hobbies with his family. And dad number two, he is a crowd favorite. Third time returning to the pod, Pastor Boom, baby. is a follower of Jesus, a husband to Cat, a father to seven-month-old Elijah, a pastor at Seven Mile Road, and a weary Texas Longhorns fan. In spite of the humidity and traffic, Houston is home, and the city he has grown to love a great deal. I invited the two of them onto the podcast today specifically to share their reflections as fathers and also the unique lens of their strong friendship that has gone through many seasons of life. When I asked them to briefly describe their friendship, June said, this is my Ecclesiastes 4, 10 through 12 brother. We've lived life together and continue to, though far apart, and have shared in each other's highs and lows. Through it all, we've always aimed to build and sharpen each other in Christ while just having fun living life together. And Peter wrapped it up saying, we are uniquely compatible in every facet of meaningful companionship. The core tenets of our lives, faith, family, work, and service are buoyed by the strengths and personalities of the other two. Our most formative years were spent failing, learning, and growing together. Don't worry, guys. They will share their beautiful voices so that they can continue to just fawn over their wonderful friendship. Well, I have gotten to know them over the years as well, I'm excited to dive in deep today to learn more about the behind the scenes of this bestie friendship and how it really has grown even stronger over the years. So without further ado, welcome Peter and June. Hello, hello. We in here. We are in here. Oh my gosh, I can sense the excitement. You guys are my first male guests with my Cooler Commentary relaunch. There you go. We are honored, but we hope that you're also honored. Oh, yes, yes. I am very honored. You took a few seconds to answer that question. I had to okay. understand the, the rewrite of the question back to me, but I agree. I'm really excited to get y'all's lens of friendship and fatherhood and I guess faith today as well. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. You guys look a little tired. Put your babies to bed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hit us with the one-two right off the bat. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you obviously don't notice that I'm very awake. <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> we're all good in the neighborhood. Here we go. Okay, so let us know a little bit more about you guys. Were you guys best friends since birth? What was your meet-cute story? Because before baby mamas and babies, right, there were besties. Yeah, well, I'd like to think that before the womb, the good Lord Jesus had us in mind to be <laughs> besties. So yeah, you could kind of say that we were besties from birth. But uh, no, we, we actually met in college, freshman year uh, in UT. Peter and I roomed together. I had no idea who anyone was in Texas. I, I'm originally from Kansas. And so I was looking for a roommate and we had a mutual friend. She was a, a pastor's daughter who came and spoke. The pastor spoke at our church a couple of times and they're good family friends with, with my parents and um, we were, you know, good friends close together. And so she had moved to Dallas and knew Peter through a handful of interactions. And so I reached out, I was like, hey, you, do you happen to know anyone that might be looking for a roommate? And lo and behold, I got introduced to Peter. Ta-da. Ta-da. The rest is history. We're the best wow. friends now. So was it like, a, oh, Peter, do you want to add anything to the meet cute? Was that exactly how you experienced it as well? 
Well, I would just like to add that we we initially had a like let's feel each other out type of moment first. So we met at Mozart. Oh yeah, that's right. Over some bubble tea or some tea, I don't remember. But I see a man, <laughs> a rather larger man than I had expected. <laughs> And here comes June with hair also larger than I expected. <laughs> and so here's this man larger than life. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I don't know if this is going to work. But by the end of our time together, figured, yeah, we could make this work. We could do this. And so mm. June and I, our journey began at Mozart. That's right. For all you lovers out there, there's hope at Mozart. The Mozart in Dallas, not the UT That's Mozart's right. Lake. Um, That's right. But yeah, the emotes are in the best city of Texas, you know. But actually, as Peter was describing June, he's far different from that visual that you just provided for us. So kind of always heard that June got the greatest glow up of mm. the friend group. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. 100% agree. <laughs> June is iron sharpens iron, you know. So one mm. brother sharpens each other's hairstyles. That's how it works. So. June looks really good now. I mean, I'm just going to be honest about it. Ashley you is reaching. You make it sound like I didn't look good before, so. I don't know how I should be. Yeah, that. it was you were you were working on average over there, just just on like aesthetic and feel. You know what I mean. Your heart was you know your heart was gold. You you're working it now. Ah, I am working it. That's true. I'll accept that. Wow, you guys are so like sweet to each other. Um, so solid male friendships are not easy to find, right? So when you guys went into this friendship and now you guys are these best friends, one, I'm curious, did you have a lot of good male friends growing up? Or like, how did you guys go into this kind of setting that expectation or even becoming more than just roommates? Historically, I, I've always kind of gravitated toward one or two really close male friendships. Ever since I was really young, I always had one particular best friend you know, always doing everything and anything with those individuals. And so it just was really helpful that June and I shared a lot of background and a lot of hopes. We would immediately gravitate towards conversations about the future that we had both thought a lot about. And so uh, it, it did feel like we were dealt a really, a really nice hand uh, at the start of our friendship, because not only did we have those commonalities, but our personalities from like a surface level viewpoint couldn't have been more opposite. And so the two of us in any given room together, we felt like opposites attracting other people toward us. So we made a lot of friendships together, which was really helpful. So, Did you guys know that your personalities are actually very similar? I'm just, okay. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, you guys can just... <laughs> I think, think about that, I mean, per personality-wise, personality, maybe but... more so like our, our, the things that... Cores. Yeah, the cores, I guess, the things that like we hope and dream for, I think are aligned, right? Like we're kind of like Peter said, like our backgrounds are very similar in that regard where we we both are believers. We've both grown up in the faith, um, the way our outlook on life, um, what we wanted to achieve, like kind of the, the driven kind of characteristics of both of us, like those things are very similar. But I think mm -hmm. in terms of, at least when we first met, I think personality wise, we, we were pretty, we were pretty different. I think we complement each other very well. Like Peter had strengths. That were my weaknesses and vice versa mm -hmm. to peter's point our freshman year we like did a lot of things together and when we would you know join clubs and groups together absa or church groups and we check things out i think it helped because like even though we're different like our, our wavelength were very similar and so bringing in people and creating relationships with them and stuff like it, was, it felt very natural and easier because like mm. peter was by my side so mm. i think that that's I don't know. Am I summarizing that well, Pete? Is that no? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Well, I guess what I was alluding to was both of you guys are Enneagram threes, right? And so that encompasses a lot of actually, and another guest would have been an Enneagram three. So I think that was quite interesting to read through. And so I think even in the ways that you guys share your friendship, there's a lot of meaning and like deeper purpose, but also aligned with being able to like share goals with one another. And so that was something interesting to read. And June is an ENFJ for Myers-Briggs and then Peter is an INFJ. So really it's like kind of like the same in terms of stats. But then, yes, I would agree that like personality of maybe interests and hobbies and like even the way you guys probably grew up in different places and like different ways definitely sounds like was a big balance for you guys but I found that very interesting and those are the two most rare personality types ENFJ and INFJ for males wow I did not know that yeah you yeah learn new every day. I was like oh my goodness anyways okay so as you guys continue to kind of realize that you were dealt this great hand um, and you stuck with it with one another how would you guys summarize the different seasons you guys have gone through as friends for example first would have been college then and then jobs figuring out love lives becoming dads you know like how did you guys navigate that as friends that matured beyond college bros I think it was helpful that we had a good relationship with one another. Um, and in college, like they're very formative years, right? And we consistently roomed together and we had, you know, other friends that we, we grew together with and we had just like a tight, really tight community. And so definitely like that helped. I think we're everyone around that time, we were kind of going through similar things. And so that, that definitely helped specifically like between Peter and I, like as we went from season from being single to dating or, you know, college to to work and so forth like we we keep up with each other pretty often and so a lot of times like we're bouncing off ideas off of each other and we're looking to one another to kind of bring in a different perspective uh given like we we again like have a lot of similarities in, in what we want and what we strive for and so in that regard like we understand each other but the perspectives are different right and so i think it just helps paint a more solid, thoughtful approach to whatever decision we make, if it's particularly hard and we need one another to kind of weigh in on it, I think like that's that's helped, you know, throughout the seasons. It's not like we always come to come to the same conclusion. Um, we still kind of make our own decisions, but again, like at least gives us this view that we might have otherwise missed. Yeah. Just to add to that, I think, I feel like my relationship with June over the years has been marked by one of two categories broadly. One, I'm either living with June or I want to be living with June. And <sighs> so like like truly we have we have navigated our lives in such a way where even post college we lived together. And mm. in the years where he was in Seattle and I was in Houston, I was dreaming about moving to Seattle. And now June is dreaming about moving to Houston. We we spent half the day today together as he's in Houston, looking at potential places to live. And so it does feel like the, that thread of we are either living life really closely together or we are longing to do so has been like a thread through all of the, the changes and the iterations of our lives. And I think the reason that that thread is consistent throughout whatever season we're in, whether it's as fathers or back when we were running around with no idea what we were doing as, as college kids, I, I do think it's because we really value each other's voice and appreciate each other's presence. Like it, it does feel like there is a a like-mindedness in the right capacities that that really does 
the word that you mispronounced at the start, uh, buoy. <laughs> Bu- buoy. <laughs> it buoys the other person. I'm going to re-record. <laughs> yeah, you you try that again um, because we need to run that one back. Yeah. But but in, but in all seriousness, it is it's like an enrichment of everything I want to be. Like June helps me towards all of the goals and aspirations that we have shared over the years and we continue to share. I feel like you guys seem so different, but the hand you were dealt is really a good one in the sense like there are a lot of things that pull you guys together that keep you grounded. I'm curious, would you guys ever be able to recall, maybe not like, a, oh, I don't want to be his friend anymore, but where it wasn't so much like, a, oh my gosh, I want to live with him or near him, but oh, right now it's kind of difficult. And, but I still am committed to this brotherhood and like will continue forward or maybe not. Wow, there is no, no. Oh my congratulations <laughs> to the friend that brought you guys together. Just as marriages, sometimes people can like introduce like clearly that she was uh, sent from heaven and arrange yeah. marriages. Think about yeah. it. There you go. Arrange friendships. Uh huh. Okay. Go. Well, so none. Um, well, I'm sure there are line. moments. I'm sure yeah. there are moments where June has been incredibly frustrated with me. And, oh, and oh I, like why? You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I off the top of my head can distinctly remember moments, and. And I think there were moments where I was frustrated with him. Uh, honestly. Yeah, let's get a little juicy, guys. Getting a little juicy. I think it's primarily revolving around our interactions with women. It does feel like, like, say I was in a relationship in college with a girl and June was like, this is not like all the things we have talked about, prayed about, considered, like this isn't leading to the things you want and that I, I agree with you that you should want. And in the same way, I think when there would be a woman that will go unnamed in June's life that was doing a similar thing, then I think, you know, without, <laughs> I'm trying really hard here, June. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, oh, people, yeah. we, don't, we don't shy around. We're not, we're not trying to skirt away from names and stories, but for the sake of unknown people that we know that are going to listen mm-hmm. to this podcast, we'll that's just right. keep it, you know, we'll keep it like that. But yeah, to Peter's point, the thing that's been really solid about this relationship is even in the midst of that, it comes from a good place at the end of the day. It comes from wanting to see the best out of the other person and keeping one another accountable. And so I don't think, I can't think of any single time where it was like, I'm so sick, like I need to get away. Kind of that type of like, we're like, I need to put a pause on this friendship. Like that's rarely the case. It's more so like, oh, again, like, come on. Like that type of like, we talked about this and vice versa. Vice versa. versa. Yeah. I was Um, like, again. (laughs) But like, I think, I think that's, it's more of the dynamic, just echoing what Peter said. Like we, we've dreamed and we've talked and we know where, where one another's strengths and weaknesses are and, and being loving and kind and patient with one another, but also being stern and accountable because we want to, we know that the other person is wanting to, to not fall into some of these traps whenever we go through kind of the lows Mm. and, and things like that. For Enneagram threes, also, they really value like harsh, not harsh feedback, but like truthful feedback, right? So Mm -hmm. like with the affirmation and the things that you guys are already clearly feeding into each other naturally, like that stern accountability that you mentioned, June, is like actually a very clear thing that was talked about. And so I think it's very interesting how that became a natural way for you guys to communicate so that even in potential like conflict areas where you could be like, bro, mind your own business. I don't know how guys talk you know but like that but it's like yeah like like that i slurp her you know (laughs) what what i I have no idea what that means i just learned that term last week (laughs) anyways but you know so like 
instead of make taking it offensively or sometimes there can be a sense of like I know better like there's like a there's there is sometimes that vibe like you guys clearly allow that to be a place of like oh this guy is someone I trust and this guy is saying this you might not listen to it right away but it, that safe space stays there so hey and I just need to rare. pause real quickly and don't ever I mean ever <laughs> <laughs> you, don't you ever use the phrase I slurp her ever again <laughs> Okay. Wait, I don't, know, I just, I don't <laughs> know what kids these days are telling you, but no, it's not kids. It's Mr. Hua. Wow. <laughs> Again, I don't it. know what kids these days are telling no, you. But... Oh, it was Mikey. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. That's the last time I'm gonna try to use that word correctly. Hey, just don't ever do it. Yeah. This is out of a place of respect and friendship. See? And now you guys are accountability. Me out right now, That's what I do. and don't I am you taking ever. it. <laughs> don't you ever. <laughs> Okay. Sorry to all my listeners. Thank you, uh, Peter, for pausing us mm-hmm. because that was important to mm-hmm. uncover here. Um, okay, so how do you guys stay in touch? So, for example, when you guys were apart for quite a while now, since right before marriage for both of you guys, in those seasons where you do long for each other, how do you also like... <laughs> I'm sorry. How do you also create... Because I think both of you guys have obviously created strong foundations where you guys are separately... How do you do that, but still have like a security in your own best friendship and also like maintain that, not just in spirit, but like you guys said, like keeping in touch with each other? Yeah, I think it goes back to like the genesis of our relationship. We we always have been keen on dreaming together, dreaming of the time we will be in the same city again, living in the same general area where our future kids could run around and play together and get to know each other, where our wives could continue their really strong friendship together. And so I think dreaming together has always been part of our friendship, even from a distance. Uh, Oh, so you guys were always going to end up back in the same city. That was something. It has always been the intention. Mm, Um, Okay, okay, okay. mm -hmm. And I think part of that meant that we would like get together you, you know, our wives are really, really close friends. And that's so, also helpful. Very helpful. So we would get together on trips. What started off, it felt like all the time with a different wedding or a different couple's trip. It, it just felt like we were constantly in this rhythm. But as life has progressed, work has gotten busier, kids enter the picture. Definitely, it's been more difficult. And so there have been seasons and spurts where we've attempted to get on a weekly call or a bi-weekly call. But I think with June and I specifically, it's it's been particularly organic to pick up conversations where we left off. So it never feels like, oh, like I didn't tell you about that or you didn't know this thing. It's we know so intimately the general trajectories of our lives and the ways that we're navigating decision-making and how we're thinking about loving wives, raising family, being devoted to our communities. Like like all of those things are so ingrained that Mm -hmm. it does just feel like, well, like tell me what is going on today. And what you're thinking about for tomorrow versus the past X amount of weeks that have gone by that we haven't caught up, like fill me in on all of that. I think it's more so get, give me a, a snapshot of today and what you're thinking about tomorrow because I can get, I can fill in the gaps. And so it does feel like for June and I specifically that that is a really wonderful and therefore simplistic way that we have kept in touch over the years. I definitely agree with that. And I think it, it also, like, I don't want to downplay the, the importance of, like, being able to intentionally, like, schedule trips together or, you know, when when I'm in Houston or vice versa, if, you know, Peter's in, in Seattle, like, being able to see each other as well. But, yeah, I think I think there's, like, a, it's, again, like, the, the four years that we've 
lived together in college, right? Four-ish, because Peter went also on, on the mission trip. But like mm-hmm. that time was just so formative in really understanding one another and getting on the same wavelength that for me, like even if, you know, we didn't have all those trips, like it, it's intentional and then there's, there's definitely goodness that comes from it but even if we didn't like those years and getting on the same wavelength like helped us to get to that state where, where peter just mentioned which is like we don't have to we don't have to like catch one another up because we generally know like how each of us think and it's 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 just like as if like no time has passed in between while we're away it's, it's just like kind of we snap back into to where we are um which has been a huge blessing well don't ever let go of each other, guys, because this don't just sounds so beautiful. Don't, don't <laughs> um, Jack. Okay, my last question about friendship is just like, for you guys, it just seems like heaven sent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe your other friendships in life, like in the, when you guys have been apart and in seasons where like you meet new and you like want to establish new communities, like what would be one last piece of advice you would give for like how to foster male friendships when it isn't as easy? Or like how are you guys intentional in that? Because tbh from like a woman's point of view sometimes like i hear a lot of great conversation about like certain things and i actually really enjoy this is totally stereotypical but i hope i don't like male conversations of like working out and like basketball games or whatever like you know like talking about sports i really love i think that's so fun but i have rarely heard like a deeper level it's very rare for me to hear about those and so i think that's what i'm curious about like how do men also get to that point whether it's clearly not with each other because it just sounds like so beautiful but like in other ways like how have you had to make those efforts that you would kind of advise other men who are seeking that same type of community yeah i think it's important to and and i kind of experienced this when when i moved to seattle it's like it's important to first and foremost not compare your friendships Mm -hmm. to peter uh, Peter. (laughs) no one like him no (laughs) no No, but just like not even just Peter, but like any of the other friends like you have uh-huh. in, in your mm-hmm. current life stage, like whenever mm-hmm. you're, I'm just assuming like this is advice to someone who's going to be in a place that's completely new, trying to make friends. Like comparison kills so much joy and it mm-hmm. kills so much of the blessing that you have at that moment in time. Like you, you really don't see the goodness around you if you start to compare. And so I think like first and foremost, like that's a, that's a huge one, but let's just assume like this person just doesn't have friends at all to compare with right if we if we start there like i think it's really important to have shared interests right to have shared things that you believe but also personality wise like you also have to recognize that people might not agree with you and people might not see the same things as you do and like that's perfectly fine because that also makes friendships really strong because again like you are going into a situation where you don't only want people who see exactly what you see. That's mm-hmm. not going to help sharpen you and build you up and vice versa, right? And another thing I'd say is like, also just genuinely being a good person and, and good friend to someone else, not expecting anything back. Because like, that is, I think like the beauty of like friendships, that strong friendships is like, it's not like to get something, right? You're like, you're not doing all these things because you want a best friend. It's like best friendships happen naturally because you're, genuinely being good to other people and like mm. you know you also enjoy one of those presents like the same thing's happening back and you just enjoy hanging out with one another like you actually have fun versus like i want to learn about this or get to this social status or, or whatever that might be like there's no ulterior motive it's just genuinely just like and i love hanging out with this person and we also have shared interests and shared goals and you know you're building one another up and so i think like those things um for me at least are kind of 
key things to, to think about and key advices that I give. As you can probably tell, there is like not a bone in June's body that is not kind uh-huh. and like sweet. <laughs> uh, if there was a bone in his body, it was removed and given to, you know what I mean? It's uh, the rib that was taken out of him. I got that, you. Yeah. You got me. Uh-huh. The, got you, there it is. I, I agree with June. And, and I think to add simply to that, what I've come to recognize in trying to establish like really meaningful, impactful relationships and friendships with other men, it's... I think depth, depth is a dance. And you know when like you're off the fly, so this might sound horrible, but it's like when you're dancing, people are gonna, some people are going to think that like, you're an awful dancer and I don't want to be in the same room as you. And then other people are going to see you and be like, this is my jam. Like, I love what's going on here. And I think that's where depth to me is, it's a dance in that you just have to be willing to be yourself and go all the way. And some people will reciprocate and other people will not. Like some people will love being in the room with you and other people just simply would rather be on a different planet. And I think what you'll come to find is if when you're truly being genuine and authentic and actually willing to be exposed, I think in that mm. space, there are people that are really going to appreciate that because they're like you in in some way that makes their heart also sing and makes their body also want to move in that way. And so, so I think for June and I, it, the depth came because we were willing to go there and be ourselves and realize that even though June is the epitome of a musician, like the, the one of the most talented musicians I know, I appreciate music, but I can't sing a song or hold a tune or play an instrument for my life's sake. And I like when it comes to like a ball on a field or on a court, like I want to run to that. And June appreciates that enough yeah where it's like he he loves for us to talk about that and and it's like when all of a sudden we're in our own lanes dancing to our own song we realize like oh yeah like i like the way that authenticity and genuineness transparency and the way that we as enneagram threes now that that's a thing (laughs) like we are dreaming toward the same things i think we recognized of like oh yeah we we can jive. And I think mm. that all the meaningful male friendships that I've had in my life, I, th- I think have come from being willing to take that leap of just like, let's, let's go there. And, and whoever is, is on the same wavelength, like, like let's ride. Yeah. I like that analogy of the yeah. dance because yeah, me too. everyone has their own personality and their own background. And I think probably far too often there are people who aren't 100% themselves mm-hmm. and they miss out on that genuineness and, and like it's, it's not like the genuineness is, may, may not be there they might still have friends that are genuine but like you're robbing of the other person knowing like truly a, you know who you are right mm-hmm. and so like the depth of that is like you can't only show the best parts of yourself you also have to like put them into the, the parts that are not so not so nice right and maybe like it's straight up weird yeah just yeah. to clear the air you guys <laughs> also like up. see saw the weird stuff right oh yeah Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and y'all still chose to love each other so much. You talk about us like we're a couple. It's fine. You can keep doing no, it. No, really. It's really beautiful. I think um, that's how I'm going to continue talking. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about dancing, that's all right. you know? And yeah, like, that's great. I really do appreciate that analogy. And I think that's a helpful way to just like let it stick with some listeners. When you think about friendship or wanting that authenticity to remind yourself to also truly be you because you are worthy to be fully accepted as the person you are with the friendships you do make so 
thank you guys for sharing that. Let's um, peel you guys apart because, you know, as much as friendships are so important, right? Like you guys have also found your true better halves and created little little people from that. And might I add five months apart <laughs> because you guys are like in the same season. So I think that's really exciting to let us kind of take a peek into. And so first of all, congrats on fatherhood. And um, you, you. how has life been, guys, since becoming a father it's been amazing yeah i I can't even begin to describe i knew it would be good but i don't think i expect it to be this good right like you Mm. it's like you see i love dessert and so like i see a piece of dessert i love eating in general if you guys didn't know like i see a piece of dessert and i'm like oh that's gonna be really good and then like when you bite into it it's like even better you're just like oh my gosh like had i not bought this and eaten it like i would have never known like you you imagine something and i think kind of similar like fatherhood like I just hear, heard so many people talk about it, you know, so many of my, my friends and mentors that I know who've gone from, you know, being single, married, and then in fatherhood, you hear a lot of like, oh yeah, like you really, it's just like completely different than what you'd expect, but so much better than, than what you actually thought it would be. And you also get this like new view of like how God views us Mm -hmm. as his children. And like, I'm always like, yeah, but like, does that really happen? Like, you know, like I kind of get all analogies, like I've grown up in church, like I'm sure, but then like it's hard to explain like when you become a father it's truly eye-opening of an experience definitely through like the, the highs and lows like you get to i so often like i can't tell you the amount of times where i'm just like man this is you know when when olivia my daughter like does something it rebels and i'm just like oh my gosh like Sinner. i'm probably yeah <laughs> you <laughs> deserve the wrath of the father um well, but yeah, in the same way, it's like <laughs> me too, right? Like, and and I think like that's been a really eye-opening and, and really solid experience. And also, one thing that I, I forgot to mention is like, I know this episode is about Father's Day, but a, a big part of it is also seeing your partner become a mother as well. And like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of joy and like a lot of my spouse that like a new dimension that gets added that you get to see. And it's it's really amazing to see like, oh man, like, I love her even more because like, wow, this is truly an awesome human being that I I married before Uh, I knew she was going to be mom. And now she's a mom. She's like even, even better. And um, just like a a different lens of that or different like perspective that that Mm. you didn't see before. So that's, that's also very nice. We were going to get to the spouses later, but love how you guys just embody all of that together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hold your horses, June. Um, To echo what June is saying, I think every person I've ever talked to about fatherhood, especially as you know, we were pregnant, and I say we mainly cat is carrying the load. Obviously, the warnings are very descriptive: sleepless nights, your lives will change forever, like time together, quality of conversations, the snippets that'll have to be more meaningful now since you don't have all the time in the world, and traveling, and cost, and you know, there's a thousand words a minute for every single warning, and yet. Everyone ends with, but it's so worth it, Mm. period. And there's not really a lot of description tied to how sweet and tender and just jaw-droppingly wonderful it is to to be a dad. And to some of the points that June is describing here, it's one, I've never been more impressed with my wife. I think I count myself as one of the most blessed humans in the world because of who I've gotten to marry. But even then, it pales in comparison to seeing my wife one, like go through the journey of pregnancy, delivery, like to even experience 
the trauma of difficulty of health in our child early on and, and all the mm-hmm. things that, that is required specifically of a mom. Like I've never been more impressed with a human being than I've been impressed with my wife in this season. But secondarily, it's it's every single moment that I get with my son. I'm still blown away that I get to be his dad and he gets to be my son. And so it is one of those experiences that is otherworldly. And I think I'm particularly grateful that I have been raised in a home and in a faith background where when you don't know what to do, when you're trying to understand what to do with your emotions or with what is happening inside of you, like all you can do sometimes is sing. And so I, I sing a lot and Kat will tell you like every moment I have with Elijah, you know, 75% of my interactions with him are in song. And I think part of that is because like, I, I don't know what else to do with all of that feeling. Like it's, I'm making up songs as I go because I can't help but contain like this is, it's life altering in the best of ways, but that's, that's kind of been fatherhood in a nutshell. First of all, thank you guys for sharing and can just see the joy even greater from y'all's eyes talking about your wives and your children whereas before when you guys were talking about each other so I kind of get it now um (laughs) but like clearly the joy is like all-encompassing but I guess like if you could share a specific of what is your greatest joy or struggle or excitement or fear or all of the above about being a father so like more specific into the feelings that you guys might have experienced like when I think about joy in being a father, particularly in my interactions with, with Elijah, the image that comes to mind is so uh, I have been granted the incredible task of like getting to be the one that wakes him up if he needs to wake up or being the first kind of face he sees in the morning. And so to see him smile back at me when he's woken up from, you know, 10, 11 hours of slumber, like th- there were days when we were praying that he would just make it out the womb. There were days when we would pray that he would make it to to week seven and week nine and week twelve and week twenty one and 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 all of a sudden as he's like smiling back up after sleeping an entire night through and like it, it's something that does something to the soul that nothing else can quite do. So more than anything, I think it's not when he's accomplishing a different milestone or killing it on feeding and sleeping and and making our lives easier. It truly is for me. Like I love getting to wake him up in the mornings and Mm -hmm. do our five minute stretch massage routine and get to see him smile as he wakes up and kind of comes to that to me is what like I think of when I think of joy in fatherhood and then on the flip side when I think of fear or anxiety to be very frank I don't fear you know the trajectory of his life or even the day-to-day I have a wife who thinks through so much of the logistics and the practicalities and and does a brilliant job of all the things that we need to know collectively in order to make sure our child thrives and so she carries that burden a lot onto herself. And so my main fear and anxiety is that I'm always thinking of how my son's day will affect my wife's heart. And mm. and so like even in my praying for him each morning as I feed him, it, part of that routine in the mornings, it is like pleading unto the Lord that he would provide Elijah with a fullness of the spirit from head to toe so that my wife can be confident and delighted in all that like Elijah has in store for her. So she had spent the past, you know, six and a half, seven months being the primary caretaker for him. And so, so for me, my fear and anxiety each day is if he has a rough go, if uh, something happens to him, particularly regarding his health or his feeding, which he's had issues with in the past, I know the pains and the sting 
that that'll inspire into my wife's heart. And so my, my fear and anxiety is primarily revolved around how his hard days will affect her heart. So, yeah, I think for me, the greatest joy is seeing Olivia experience new things and seeing her find joy brings me like this really deep within my soul kind of joy that I've like never experienced before until I became a father. I remember one time a couple of friends were over in Seattle and like Olivia was so young at the time. Like she probably didn't know what the heck was going on, but this couple also had a baby and um, was much older at the time and they wanted to take her to the zoo. And we had such little time because it was towards the end and we kind of were trying to go earlier, but with sleep schedules and stuff like that just didn't work out. And so like we had like one hour before the zoo closed. So we just like rushed. Mm. We got to the zoo and by the time we got to the zoo, it was like 30 minutes and we're just like, oh my goodness. And so like the zoo's kind of closing down, but we're trying to go see the animals and they're all running around. And initially, like in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, like we're just going to take a chill because like Olivia doesn't know like what an animal is. I'm like, it's, it's more for this other baby who's probably recognizes mm. and understand. But then when I got there, it's like something overtook me where I was like, Olivia needs to see and enjoy <laughs> and experience all the animals. And just like, I remember like carrying her and like going and like holding her up, trying to like have her see. And like, it didn't matter at that point whether or not she like really knew what was going on because I so wanted her to like just experience something good and, and find joy. And like when she'd crack a smile, like whether it was because the animal or the wind was blowing, like whatever it might be, like seeing her in that moment just brought me this like overwhelming joy where at the moment I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter if like my arms are getting tired or it doesn't matter if like I look like a maniac kind of running through the zoo. At the end of the day, it's like, I just want the best for her. And when she enjoys things and when she finds so much satisfaction in things, like it was such a, like a, an otherworldly experience. Like I, I really can't explain kind of where that joy has come from because I never have felt it before. And mm -hmm. um, I think getting to see that in her now on a daily basis, right? Like when she's excited to go out and when she goes out and runs around and like she's cracking the biggest smile, like it's, it's, it just brings me so much joy that I, I, I don't know what to do with myself. It's like, oh my gosh, I want more of this. I want her to experience more of these good things. And then on the flip side, like the fear also creep, creeps in because I know that like disappointment and hurt are probably going to come in her life, right? Like no one's, no one can avoid that. And as a father, like I want to do everything I can to protect her from those things. But there's also growth that comes in and there's beauty from pain as well, like that, that settles in. So it's like, how do I as a father not be overprotective, but still like equip her in ways where when those things come, when the world comes at her, that she can rely on the things that are steadfast, that she can turn to Jesus, that she can turn to friends and good community, that she can have these like really solid foundations so that she can weather through them well and that she can lean on God to weather through them well. And she's disciplined in these things. Like that's what I hope to do because there is a big part that I, I do fear like there's going to come a day where like inevitably like some boy or some, you know, grade or whatever it might be like is going to get her down. And at that point, it's like, I can only do so much, right? Mm -hmm. Like I myself can only do so much, but the discipline and the foundation that she builds within God and within community, like those things are there for her to explore and herself to use and to to give, to to grow, right? And so uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like there's, there's a ton of joy in that and seeing her grow and seeing her experience things. But in that there's also, you know, anxiety and fear of like, 
you know, she's also going to, as, as much as she experiences the good things, like she's going to experience heartbreak and, and bad things as well. And it's, it's part of life. But, um, you know, as, as a father, as a parent, you want to do as much as you can to, to prepare them for that. Wow. I enjoyed what you guys shared. Glimpse of the father's heart too. I think like I definitely empathize as a parent and a mom. But yeah, I think just hearing it from you guys is also like a really fresh perspective to hear too. So I appreciate that. I also want to take it back to Peter, what you mentioned about like praying over Kat every morning or, you know, with Elijah as you do his routine and take it back to a question of like, can you recall a moment where you guys had to watch your wife war through something that was really difficult whether it was during pregnancy or postpartum but I think there's suddenly things that maybe you guys had control over or could be the person that helps cheer them up but in these times right like it's like you have no control over what is going on so in that moment that you could recall like how did you support her or even reflecting now how could you have supported her in that time Kind of a advice for new fathers or people who, you know, could also experience that same type of turmoil for their wife, if not for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is a great question. Definitely the most weighty season for our marriage and our family life thus far has been the postpartum anxiety and depression that my wife went through, particularly after our son, he spent his the first 44 days of his life in the NICU. And coming home, the first month, what took shape in my wife's mind was just like this utter onslaught of worry and concern that we were gonna end up right back in the hospital and our son was, something detrimental was gonna happen to him each day. And recognizing together that each morning she woke up, she was convinced that he was also waking up unhealthy versus healthy. And I think that took us a long time to recognize together that that was the starting point for her each morning. And and that took a long time to unravel and unpack. And the truth of the matter is, I wish I was the one that could have solved it for her. Uh, like this endless riddle in her mind that kept her captivated to assume the worst and brought her to tears day after day. And what I had to recognize, though, is I couldn't save the day. And that was really hard for me, priding myself on having, if not the right responses, at least the right questions. I think I came to the end of myself in realizing that, one, it was only my job to help my wife get to the depth of her even despair when everyone in her life that was close to her was trying to watch everything, like watch a funny movie, listen to your favorite songs, get out of the house, do this thing, like just be happy versus being willing to go down all the way to the bottom, to drink it down to the dregs of, ah, like this is the depth of my heartache and my sadness and my anxiety. And so I recognized that that was my responsibility was just to give her the freedom to go there and Mm -hmm. then not have to be the person that lifted her up. And so commending her to talk to the people she needed to talk to, because we both, I think, pretty quickly recognized that it wasn't going to be me. And this is the first time that it couldn't be me, which was particularly hard for me. (laughs) And so all that being said, my wife is incredibly content today. She is Mm -hmm. filled with joy and smiles and laughs a great deal. And I don't remember the last time that she has had a bout of of uncontrollable sadness or of crippling anxiety. So it's, it's a grace and then I'm incredibly grateful, but 
I'll never forget that season because for all future dads, with how prevalent and common postpartum depression is, I do think it's of the utmost importance that you recognize and I recognized what my role is and what my role simply is not. Mm. And so that, that was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. I'd agree with that, just like the, the advice to new dads. And I was kind mm. of thinking along the same lines. Like I, I didn't have the experience that Peter did, but I feel like as men, we often kind of get into this like fix it mode or mm. we often kind of get into this mode of wanting to do to help make things better. And sometimes the answer is just to be there, just to listen. Sometimes the answer is to get into that mode. Like I, I think that that's also not, not a bad thing, but like my personal like reaction is always kind of just like, what can I do? What can I do? And sometimes like that's probably the worst thing you could do, right? It's like you're doing too much or like you just want to, you know, they, they just want you to listen um, and be there. And so I would say like when I think about the hardest time that my wife went through is, you know, when you have the baby and, and breastfeeding, like I think everyone prior to, prior to, us having Olivia, like, just imagine, like, you know, at least a lot of my friends who didn't have babies, they're like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to have a baby and, like, go through this. And, like, it's going to be so beautiful. And, like, it is a beautiful thing. But after having it and after having friends who've had babies, you realize it's a very difficult process. It's very painful for the mothers. At the same time, like, I'm sure there's a ton of anxiety and this desire of, like, why can't I provide? Like, why isn't the breast milk coming in? Why, why, you know, like the anxiety of like, oh my goodness, this newborn, like on top of that, you're trying to deal with like, how do I take care of this baby? And so it's a highly, highly stressful situation. And so there's a lot of like this, like guilt that might go through that. Um, There's a lot of this like worry and concern. And so I think the first couple of days, like that, that was really challenging for her. And then on top of that, I was so thankful we have, we have family that was able to her, you know, my in-laws were able to come in and, and help out and we're eternally grateful because it was so, so needed. Mm-hmm. But there's also that dynamic too, like in the midst mm-hmm. of a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. And then like, you're living with people that you haven't lived with since high school, like <laughs> all those things like kind of combined, it's, it's just like a recipe for everyone to be extremely tense. And just like mm-hmm. one thing that happens or one word is said, it's like, kind of cuts deep deeper than you know it might have any other times and so like mm-hmm. in that moment which was you know a couple of days and then the breast milk came in but even then like throughout like just kind of coming off of that and uh, Chinese Taiwanese culture there's like this and, and Korean culture too but like there's this like 30-day period where you're like you can't you know do certain things and you, you have to eat the right food and so forth and so like that period of time like was just just con- this continuation of that kind of pressure that built up and I think there was, you know, a lot of times where, you know, I think she just felt like the weight, a ton of weight on her. And it was really hard for me to see. And it's really hard for me to also not act on it. Like sometimes I would, but other times it's like, like having to kind of not act and not do what I wanted to do because I knew it wasn't going to help. Like I knew it wasn't going to like solve anything. Um, and, and other times, like I did need to sit down and just listen and, and chat with her. And that was particularly difficult season to navigate. I know absolutely for her, but for me as well, because a lot of times I just like felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, you know, mm. it's not, it's not like a formula. It's not like you do this one day and then that doesn't work. You move on to the ne- next thing. Like it doesn't work like that. Like you, every day is different. And so having to kind of, to do what's best for her, again, kind of going back to my, the crux of my point initially was like, sometimes it's just not doing right. And other times mm. it is doing. And, and so like having to manage that, I think as, as new fathers and um, as men, I think is, is important because a lot of times like 
the best thing you can do is to kind of step aside and, and let them kind of deal with it um, mm-hmm. themselves. And, and then when they're ready to talk, like listen. And other times it is to like be very hands-on and ask questions, deep questions and talk through it. That was a good learning that I had <laughs> during that time period. Yeah. It's crazy hearing even the things that you guys share because I feel like there are so many, di- well, obviously there's so many different struggles within parenting and motherhood. And for you guys to be able to see the unique struggles that like your wives went through, which are actually probably different from each other's. And so it's helpful to just realize there's a lot that needs to be prepared for, but also like, like you guys both shared that you can't really do. And so I think that's a really good reminder to just be for your wives. How has your marriage changed or shifted as you guys have shared these things before it was really YouTube but then there are other players like relatives or family members or even just the new identity that you guys could carry and you can share more on your own identity but as mothers right suddenly there is unknown anxiety unknown depression unknown feelings that like we never knew we could ever struggle with right and but that all creeps in and so when those things happen what are some things that have actually like tangibly worked for you guys to keep you guys moving forward even if there are more frequent dips in that in that journey i mean communication is probably like the most tangible best thing i know it's kind of maybe feels like a cop-out answer because it's such an easy thing to point to but i really think like through the highs and lows and the changing dynamics between my wife and i at the end of the day like it's always come down to communication it's always come down to like let's be honest with one another don't feel guilty if you think you know whatever you're thinking in your head that um, you can't share whatever i'm thinking in my head that i can't share because i think it's going to hurt her vice mm-hmm. versa like when we approach conversation together, you know, at, at a level-headedness where, you know, there isn't, like, it's not coming off of, like, me being, you know, like, quick and, and, and sharp to her. And, like, she's like, what's wrong? Like, like, at that point, like, we probably don't have the communication. But, like, during mm-hmm. the times where we're, like, both kind of, like, you know, put the baby to sleep, like, just sitting down and, like, hey, how's how's being a mom been lately? Or how's, how what do you think about, you know, these past couple days, weeks, months, whatever it might be? Like, in those moments being to foster like open communication and being honest Mm -hmm. has been so helpful because the truth is, and especially for like new parents out there, dynamic changes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think going into it, one of the things that Ash and I, we would, we would talk about is like the season of it just being us two, that season's ending. Like that season is kind of coming to a close and now we're a family of three and things are going to be different, right? We're still one another's spouse. We're still, you know, that. But now there's this new identity as as parents. And what does that mean? And sometimes that might mean like we might not be able to give each other the time of day as much as we want to. And that's okay because like that's also this season. But like how do we then in the seasons where we feel like we're being neglected or we feel like we're not uh, being the best spouse to one another, that we're, we're kind of leaning more towards that identity as a mother and father more than a spouse. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of neglecting that. Like in those seasons, how do we kind of reorient ourselves? Like how do we talk through it and make sure that we don't forget that? Because in, throughout our lives, we're going to, we're going to wear different hats. We're going to be different. You know, there's different identities through seasons. And 
I think one common pitfall is like a lot of couples that get married and have kids is they forget their identity as spouses. Mm -hmm, they forget mm -hmm. that. And so now it's like, you're just a mom or you're just a dad and you're so-and-so's dad. Like, and I think that's really dangerous because like, then you, you kind of start to slowly fade out into this, like, this is a person that I love. And like, this is a person that I've had history with. And this is a person that mm -hmm. I want to pursue. And I still do want to pursue uh, versus like, you know, no one's going to ever argue like pursuing after your child and loving them is a wrong thing. And so I think a lot of parents just like automatically default to that. It's like, well, I'm loving our kid. Like this is, this is the right thing. Of course, absolutely. That's the right thing, but not pursuing your spouse is not a right thing. Like you also need to take time to do that. And you also, when you feel like you're not, when you're feeling neglected, I think it's, it's, it's easy like in that moment when you're like, just go, go, go to, to not bring it up because it might feel selfish, but like, that's, that's what family is. Like you have to bring that up and you have to have that conversation. And so I think like, you know, tangible, tactical, like communication, absolutely. And honest communication in a good environment, not when yeah. someone forgot to take out the trash or something happened and you're like, you know, that's when, when it comes out there, it's like, good Lord, I don't <laughs> want to do that. That's when you better shut up. <laughs> that's right. Just be. Oh, take notes. <laughs> you better shut up. Write that down. Yeah. I think that's helpful because even for me, I hearing that from a man's perspective and when like I had experienced like feelings, not of jealousy, but I would be like, wow, Matt really loves Jaden. Oh, wait, but in this like in an earlier time, like I didn't feel that. And that's because we were both really into our identities as parents. Right. And so feeling that guilt of like, is that even OK to feel this personally when it's for huh. this child? I probably am showing more love to as well. And then yeah. right. The courage to bring that up to Matt and have those conversations before uh -huh it could get even deeper. So I think that's a really, that's like one that kind of like putting it on the back burner. So it's not there until you realize. So I think that's really helpful conversation pieces for, for people to think about. Mm -hmm. I mean, to even bring in like heritage into this. It, right. Like everyone calls my mom because my oldest sister shares the same name as you. And you like, like, like it's your new identity is you are a mom of that child. And even what my mom calls my dad is, it's like, you are the, the father of my child. And that, growing up with that dynamic, it does. It supports the natural wave that I think we're all saying we want to fight of your, your primary identity is not as a parent. More importantly, it's actually like our devotion to our spouse actually needs to come first because right. that'll provide the right landscape for our children to actually thrive like, I can't wait to tell Elijah, which I try to tell him, even though he doesn't understand what I'm saying, yet of, hey, I love you, son, but I love your mom more. Like, when I come home, like, mama gets a kiss first. And mm -hmm. even at seven months old, like, that's a rhythm we've implemented because he needs to know from a, from the onset, he will never come before his mom in my life and in my heart. So I echo that. I, I think communication is key. And even to narrow that down further for me, I think affirmation is incredibly important. The the degree to which my wife, who is not a words person, like that's not her love language. It is absolutely mine, but it's not hers. <laughs> but what she has needed in the season truly is is both the verbal and nonverbal affirmation that she is still the woman that I fell in love with. Mm -hmm. That even though her body has changed dramatically over the past year and a half, and even though her emotions and the state of her her mental you know, like what she's thinking about and how right. she's operating, though all of it has changed. And even though our time together has dramatically changed, 
And the, the minutes that feel like they're always fleeting and never enough of quality time together, though it feels like it's always sand slipping through our fingers. At the end of the day, I think verbal and nonverbal affirmation of playfulness, of reminding her like she is still the woman that I fell in love with. She's still the woman that that my mind races to in attraction. She is still the woman that that impresses me more than anybody else. Like I think the verbal affirmation and the nonverbal affirmation in those regards um, is something that I would commend, especially to fathers of new mothers in relating to marriage. But at the same token, it it is significant that that affirmation remains constant even when she's not the person receiving it. Even if it's indirectly, she's in a group setting and I'm talking about fatherhood, mm-hmm. parenthood, my wife as a mother, her name needs to be safe on my lips. And I think that level of affirmation where she is always the hero of the story because she truly is, like she is the hero every day of our home, If people hear that and she understands that that's how I view her, even when she's not the one that's primarily listening, I think that that degree of affirmation is of utmost importance. And that goes both ways. I think the fact that I know that my name is safe on her lips and that she knows the heart, like my heart and my intentions, even though as a mother, she does more, she thinks more, she feels more, I've never once felt slighted as a lesser parent in the equation because I know for a fact that my name is safe on her lips. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's something that we agreed together we would be a constant in our relationship, that if there is an issue at hand, we're not going to air our dirty laundry to other people. We're going to work that through and make sure that we are rock solid between one another so that when anybody else hears about how things are going, they'll hear the truth but they'll know without a shadow of a doubt that we think really highly of the other person. And so I would say affirmation is a component of what June was talking about, of communication that I think is really important. I feel very humbled because I slight Matt sometimes. So thank you guys for keeping me in check. I think it's important though, right? Like once that parenthood season comes, right, there does become even a comparison sometimes of like mental load. And I think that's really important because that's such a, key foundation for marriage is right like even if you feel like that and even if it's to your safest girlfriend right that that part is still loyal and true and even if I tell Matt what I said that I still should let him feel that safety even if my openness about it is then brought back to him I should still air it out yeah you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying yeah so this is really helpful wow I'm taking notes too guys thank you so much um (laughs) it's it's really refreshing also to just get because you know moms always talk with each other and even like Ashley and I it's not like we're super close but even during her breastfeeding struggle I she like would reach out like you you reach out to anyone once you like have that those struggles like (laughs) hi like I heard you know and so so like you know you get to have the conversation with the moms but to also hear from the dads and hear that you guys do get it in the sense of like where they have struggled or really need you guys um it's really nice to hear so you mentioned about like about your mom and your dad and how they were referenced growing up and it reminds me and a lot of listeners probably how they were referenced particularly by the older kid the oldest kid's name and so I'm just curious like as we kind of shift into our identities as Korean Americans what was your own relationship with your father it sounds like you guys had good ones and what are some things you would like to carry 
about your dad's legacy or your parents, what are also some things you want to break away from to create your own vision? Because sometimes it is hard and like, right, as we have those relative conflicts, you also hear some like, this is what I did. And I want to honor what you did as my parent or as an in-law, but also how do you set your own ways as we redefine also what that Koreanness or what that Asian identity could look like for us. I've thought a lot about this because I think I've come to recognize that a lot of my desire to be the sort of father I long to be comes at a crossroads with the sort of parenting I've experienced, particularly from my dad. And so I, what I've loved about my dad, he is your prototypical, like when he enters a room, everybody listens. He is a large human being with like a booming voice. He is a preacher by trade, not just by profession. Like he is, it, it, it like oozes out of him. Um, he is a leader and a protector, a disciplinarian. And so lots of those traits where I think of like a male figure who is leading a home, not with an iron fist, but with like real firm seriousness of what he longs for his family to be about. Uh, I never once doubted growing up that God came first, even above me, like never mm. once doubted that. And so all of that has affected me as a human being and me as a father. But I think the things that I'm working almost against, the things that I'm very mindful of are things like I could count the number of times on one hand that my dad told me he was proud of me growing mm. up because it took a great deal to do so. And so I tell Elijah seven times a day, when he doesn't even understand what I'm saying, that I'm proud of him. Because I want him to know that he starts from a place of pride for me. He doesn't have to earn it. And that has affected my relationship with God as father, that I feel like I have to earn it every day because I had mm -hmm. to earn it from my dad. And so I hope that Elijah, like my son, can grow up in a situation where he knows he starts in a place of God the Father tearing the heavens open, looking down on his son and saying, with you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. And so I hope that that's the sort of echoes he experiences, even when he messes up and even when he doesn't excel at everything he wants to excel in. And so I think that's been a major brushstroke of my childhood and experience with my dad affecting the way that I parent. And I think in almost a negative way, I'm trying so desperately to be a better version of my dad a better dad that I can almost get in my head too much. And so I think I have to combat the fact that it is not my job to be dad of the year. That's not my job. My, my job is to depend on the Lord and do my very best in the moment that I'm in to continue depending on the Lord to be the best dad that I can be versus hoisting up a trophy of like, look what I've accomplished. Look at my son and how confident he is and his identity and who he is and where he's going and all that he's accomplished. Like all of a sudden my identity will be wrapped up in him, which mm -hmm. I think is what my dad continues to hoist up the trophy of look at my kids who all follow and love the Lord because I committed to him above all else, even my kids' happiness and even my kids getting, I'm proud of you when they didn't necessarily earn it. I think to a degree, my dad's own idol is him being this incredible dad by look at my kids. And so I think I have to work against that. Otherwise, I will do the very same thing just in the opposite way. So all that to say, I, I think heritage-wise, like my dad is such a prototypical, I'm always right um, 
because I'm the dad and because I speak the loudest and my voice, my voice echoes in the room and my presence is felt. I think that's an area that I can slip into if I'm not mindful of it. My wife is meek and compassionate more than any other human being I know and more humble than me a thousandfold. And so I know that if I'm not careful, when I can get caught up in the ways that I think and how deeply I've thought it through and the words that I'm saying that are coming out of my mouth, just you listen, like it's going to come and you're going to love it and it's going to be what we should do. Um, if I'm not careful, I can do it just like my dad did in a very different tone, in a very different manner, but ultimately doing the exact same thing. Th those are some things that that I'm trying my best at this juncture to be mindful of, um, that my dad has been an incredibly faithful follower of Jesus. And at times it came at the expense of, I think, being a faithful husband and dad. Mm. It takes a lot of awareness to get to that or like reflection to get to that point because you also have a commanding presence. So to even like kind of think of those prevent, not preventative, but just hearing it, it's like, oh, wow, that's like a lot of depth and layer into that. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, moving on, <laughs> affirming your amazing reflection. June, go. Yeah, and I also want to take a quick second to affirm that because, Pete, when I first met you, I feel like there was like a lot that you were still processing. Mm -hmm. And it feels like as a father now, like you've you've gotten to a point where you've processed a lot of that. I remember even like conversations like about talking about your dad and kind of the things that you mentioned, but I think it was still in process. And seeing the growth now and like kind of you've you've summarized that like really well, I think it's encouraging maybe listeners out there who are kind of going through the same thing of like, it's important to, to not shy away from those things because that yeah. in some ways is going to come out as you parent. And so I think like being able to like internalize that and, and process that and grow from it is super important. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't know, maybe it's a typical experience because I generally hear like a, a lot of Korean parents are a little bit more of like that stern type my my father's actually completely the opposite like he's continually like growing up would always tell us like he loves us um that he's proud of us um like really reaffirming and the thing that i've respect the most about my dad is he is he's definitely a man of god like you can see it and that taken to heart poured out in terms of uh, how he loved his family i could count so many times where um, growing up in church, like, you know, Korean people love to go golf. And like, I remember like, dad, like, why don't you go golf? Like, that's the it thing that like other parents are doing that I hear hearing about all my friends, dads. And he's like, I'd rather spend time with y'all. Like, I, I love spending time with my kids. I love spending time with your mom. And I'd rather whatever time I have, spend it together. And I think just growing up and seeing that as an example of dad really loves us and dad really cherishes the time that we're not a burden to him. Like he works hard because he wants us to enjoy uh, things and he wants us to enjoy time with him. That I think is something that I've, I've really come to love and, and just think fondly of when I think about just growing up. And, and the thing that I've, I've, uh, that he's instilled in me from a young age growing up is kind of that sense of, Hey, like you're the leader of the family. And you need to, you need to make sure that you're really grounded in God's word. And whatever you do, don't do it because you think it's right. Don't do it because you and your wife think it's right. Like pray through it and consult with God. And 
even consult with your kids because God speaks to your kids. And like that type of just very, like you need to hold God's words to a very high standard and live and breathe by it. And one thing that he used to do growing up for us is like every night we'd have family worship and then like he'd put his hand on our heads and he'd pray the the prayer of blessing over us. I pray scripture over us and bless us every night for as long as I can remember. Even when I was in college, like I'd call him up and I'd be like, dad, can you pray over me? Um, and he'd get on the phone and he'd pray prayer of blessing. And like, that's what, what I do for Olivia and and what I plan to do for any future kids I have because it's power of scripture being spoken over us you know the word is living active it's breathing and that is going to continue to grow and you know whether we as children know it or not like it, it helps and it helps us and it guides us and it, and it guards our hearts and and just being like that image growing up of just like my dad loves us and he's he protects us but more than anything like god's word is with us and god's word is what's protecting us and so like when my father who's an authority figure in my life is praying that i myself see like oh he holds god's word to a very high standard and he honors it and it's like i'm receiving that through my dad and that's something that i want to carry on as well as just like continue to to pour into my kids and um, being able to speak scripture over them and you know hopefully that one day you know when they grow up they can say like yeah our family was grounded in truth our family was grounded in scripture and so that's something that I'd, I'd want to continue a fear or like maybe something that I, I'd want to cut off I, I'm, I was trying to think really hard of what because right off the bat it's really difficult because I, I, I I'm trying to think of like things that stand out that my dad did that I'm like I'm never gonna do that and I can't I can't think of any to be honest off the top of my head the one thing that I, I think of and more so probably uh, holistically be uh, across my parents as a unit is because they've so poured into us um, because they loved us a lot of times I feel like when I think about their lives like the identity piece, a big part of their identity is parents. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I kind of constantly tell them now um, as they're getting t- close towards retirement and so forth is like, mom, dad, like, I know you're you you know you're over the hill. You think you're, you know, your life is kind of at this point where you're just now waiting to go back to God. And it's like, but like live your life. Like, I know, you know, you've done so much for us and we're so eternally thankful. There's nothing we could do to ever pay you back. But like, we really wish you could live your life and enjoy the time that God has given you serving, but also taking joy in in what God has given you. Um, Because I think they've sacrificed a lot of that because they wanted us to have so much to the point that like, I know this dad podcast, but like even my mom, like oftentimes, like she just like wears herself down so much to the point like where she'll get like body aches and sickness because like she's trying to do so much. That's so very (laughs) typical Korean Mm -hmm. parents. And I feel like my dad too, same thing. And like just so much that I'm just like, I think it's important. It's not a bad thing, but like sometimes we mask these seemingly good things. It's so much that they actually become a bad thing, but like in our minds, it's still a good thing, right? And so like, I think that's something that I want to learn for Ashley and myself as well as like, we love our kids. We should do what we can, but also again, not losing that identity as our own individual, as spouses, mm-hmm. like as a family. How do we foster a healthy balance across all of that? Yeah, yeah. If Jaden's grandparents from my side come to visit Jaden, they'll go back with like broken backs or like, you know, because they like (laughs) closing every part of their body and voice and everything. Uh, So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's just like 
resonates with how I grew up, but then also how Jaden probably is receiving that love too. Um, yeah. And you tell them, you're like, don't do it. And then they'll be like, they'll be like, no, no more. Like, you'll never know like what we feel. And you're like, I do. And I, that's why I want you to rest. But it's like this, this yeah. cycle. And it's probably yeah. because they've been doing that for the past however many years. It's like so ingrained in them. Mm-hmm. And I think like it's just really important to I, for us and like where we come from and the culture that is passed down, right? Like there is a huge indebtedness and there is a huge gratefulness to our parents, but also taking time to sit down and and then like meet with your wife and meet with each other and figure out how you guys want to create that new culture moving forward, whether it is with like Asian identity, but also all the other identities you guys carry and want to foster for your families. Um, it's really inspiring to hear the ways you guys have already done that with each other. So I'm excited to see how Olivia and Elijah grow. Um, this is a kind of like a difficult question, but with all the social injustice that has always been happening, but kind of in our faces lately and even for me, like I want to have these conversations with Jaden now of like, like mm. just wanting to make sure these are spoken rather than not spoken because, you know, our parents didn't have the tools or even like the capacity to know how to have those conversations with us while our kids are so little, right? And we can't actually do any of that right now. How have you guys internalized ways to lead your families because the identities you carry are Asian American, you know, and that is something that they will have to figure out as they grow. What is that something since you guys dream and you know process together like what are some things you guys maybe have internalized so far this has been on our minds for for a long time and and was something that we really wrestled with before we decided to have olivia Mm. which is like there's there's just so much brokenness in the world and to bring um a life into it i think we were at uh you know oftentimes we're at a point where we're like does it make sense you know, and, and through a lot of prayer, through a lot of conversation, I think at the end of the day, our hearts were kind of in a position where we're going to trust in the Lord. Like the Lord, if the Lord gives us a child, we're going to help him or her at the time, right? We didn't know, but like help the child grow in a way that is grounded in truth, grounded in scripture to be a force for God's kingdom. And though that child might not be able to I don't know, become president and change things or, you know, may not physically be able to do it. Like spiritually, we want the child to be praying and interceding and being someone who is crying out to God for the world, for broken people, for people who are marginalized, right? But yeah, like we're going through the same question as we think about like, what does it look like to have a second child? And Mm -hmm just the the terrible things that are happening that's happened recently and it's difficult to internalize but i think we can't we can't be paralyzed by fear we can't make the decisions on behalf of god and so i think like it's important at least how we've internalized is like there's no answer right when i don't have the answer to solve these things but how are we going to be faithful every day and in that faithfulness if it leads to having a child like how are we faithful to raising that child in a way that is going to be uh, glorifying to god right and are going to again like love the lost and do things to help care for the community and care for people and be praying for them and so that's kind of i know i didn't answer you know 
I didn't come up with any sort of like answer to the, the problems or how we thought about it, but like we're still working through it, to be honest, yeah. given like especially the recent events. But I think choosing faithfulness every day is kind of kind of what we're landing on right now. Mm-hmm. It's well said. Uh, and I think that there is a weightiness, like a, a high call, if you will, to marriage and to parenting. Um, like some of these things just have to be considered. Otherwise, we're just being naive. But things that Kat and I have talked a lot about whether it's about racism and what race and justice can look like, whether it's about gun violence and our stance on you know weapons of mass destruction or destruction, and to the whole host of marginalized groups and communities and how we hope to raise our son. I think at the end of the day, the best thing that we can do is not rehearse verbally things that we want him to live by he has to see it. And so I think what we have been praying for over Elijah, uh, the simple prayer that we prayed even while he was in Kat's womb together, is that he would have a heart that is soft and tender, a heart that Mm -hmm. is soft and tender to the embrace of God, but also to the afflictions of people. And so that that would give him a soft heart to be loved by God and to in turn be really compassionate towards people. For me, I'm convinced that Elijah will be eventually an adult that has different opinions than me. Mm. He will come to very different conclusions, probably on things that I think are very important. And and whether that's regarding faith, which would be the hardest, or mm. social issues that will be also hard, I think I have to come to grips with the fact that my responsibility and me and Kat's responsibility together is we need to beg God for our son to be a wise human being. And, and when I think about wisdom, like the reason why his middle name is James is that mm. it, like when I think about the book of James, I, I'll never forget first feeling the impact of like, just ask God for wisdom because you don't have it. And if you're willing to ask, understand that wisdom is first pure Like it has to come from an intention that is right, that you don't want it to best people, but you actually want it to help people because the very next step in the book of James is that that wisdom after being pure is actually peaceable. And so that means that relating to people who think differently than you, who come to different conclusions than you, when the world is going to tell my son that if people think differently than you, you can't associate with them. Don't listen Mm -hmm. to them. They're the enemy. Only surround yourself with people that think, breathe, act, eat like you do. I hope that Elijah will be wise enough to be conviction-oriented, but at the very same time be compassionate, where he can stop talking and just associate and listen to people who think very differently from him and kind of very different conclusions, even if it's me. And so I hope that Elijah comes to a place in his life where wisdom is bubbling out up out of him beyond his years, that he would be one who clings to and seeks after truth and opinions and definitive ideas for himself, but is willing to actually be compassionate enough to listen to people who disagree with him uh, and to associate with them. So that, that to me is more than like he has to believe this or think that way. I hope that that Kat and I can can show him, can embody for him what it means to hopefully be wise, to have conviction, but also to be compassionate enough to, um, to be peaceable. Mm.
Good job, guys. Good job, fathers. High five. Virtual high five. <laughs> Before yeah. we wrap it up, um, not that you guys look tired at all, but I can just, you know, it's late and bedtime. <laughs> um, is there anything else you would like to share that you wish people knew about dad life? I think mom life sometimes it's very much shared a lot. And so sometimes... I don't know, like dad perspectives aren't shared. So is there any, are there any last words of either things you hope for, for your families or things you just wish people knew about dad life? I think an important thing about being a good father and we're all working and striving. I don't think I've achieved that yet. Um, Nor, you know, I think I'll ever get to a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm a good father. Um, But I think an important thing is you don't have to start working on it once you're a father. Right? Mm. Like you can work on it when you're single. There are things that change when you become a father and there's things that don't. And good character takes time to build and good discipline takes time to build. Good community takes time to build. Like all these things take a lot of time to build. Mm. And so I think it's important to, every time I remember like going through like Father's Day growing up and like you go to church and you hear a message about your father, you're like, that's not applicable to me. But like, had I listened a little bit more, it's like all those things are applicable to me. Like all those things are applicable to anyone because at the end of the day, it's like, are you rooted in your identity as a child of God? Are you loving your neighbor more than yourself? Like all these things that we grow up to learn and whether they're spiritual or not are things that amount to like who you will be and as you take on new identities through these seasons and one of them being a father, like those things come up. And so the person who's undisciplined will likely be undisciplined when they're a father. And it's that Mm. much more difficult to get that going when you're at that stage in life, right? Like we just like so cemented as humans, like in our ways that every year that goes by, like it just becomes harder to change. It's not impossible, right? Like there's nothing that's impossible, but like, you know, general advice to the men out there, it, it doesn't just click like discipline or character like doesn't just click when you become a father, like growing up, like you used to think like when I'm a father, I'm going to be you know, X, Y, Z. And like some of those things are like hard. And like, I would say like I'm in a position right now where like those things are still difficult. Right. And so just making sure that at the end of the day, it's like, how do we just become more solid men and women throughout our lives and in loving others and loving ourselves, loving the people around us um, that that ultimately kind of help keep us grounded throughout the seasons i think is is something that um maybe maybe an advice that i have yeah that's good thank you yeah that is really good like if i'm trying to imagine a prospective father that i care about yeah i think what i would commend to him is based on my failures and based on my learns like in these in these early days of being a father like i i wish somebody would have told me both as a husband and as a father, like I, I have a unique responsibility to set the temperature of my home and the temperature, not, you know, just of like cotton cold, but in the state in which difficulty is met, like, it, like is every bad thing cataclysmic? Is every wrongfully heard word like ill-intentioned? Is, is every negative comment going to be thrust back with another negative comment? Like I, I have the unique responsibility to be able to set the temperature of my home as a husband and as a father. And I obviously say that as a Christian who believes about the biblical ideology of, of that sort of headship in the home. But I I truly think like I have learned uh, in the past few months that if I don't spend the five to 10 minutes in my car after I get off of work, praying down and praying away all of my 
self-centered thought. I deserve to be welcomed with an embrace. I deserve to get to play and not work with my son. I get to like be welcomed with open arms by my wife who has been working tirelessly to take care of another human being on top of taking care of herself. And if I don't work thoughtfully to do that each day, mm-hmm. I will not come in in the ways that I should as the better version of myself that is willing to set the temperature of my home of I'm going to be grateful first and foremost. I'm going to expect the best from my wife, even if I receive a comment from the first moment I walk in that feels attacking versus embracing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to set the pace and I'm going to be the first to apologize. I'm going to be the first to, to make sure that the moment I step in the home, it feels like there's fresh air breathing through the space. And, and so for me, I think that that is a unique responsibility that I get to have. Mm. And so as other prospective dads think about actually being a father and a husband, I would say, own that, like take advantage of that, be thoughtful about that. You have a unique opportunity, not just a responsibility to, to set the temperature in your home the moment you walk in the door. Mm, that's very helpful advice. Thank you. Okay, let's wrap it up with our final question. If you could describe your friendship with each other and or fatherhood as a fruit, what would it be and why? As a fruit? Yeah, that's my (coughs) trademark question at the end. I'll let you go first, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Some people really like this question. I'm not really feeling the vibe right now. (laughs) Uh, As a fruit. You know, like Koreans love fruit. So it's like we end it with fruit. Oh, I get it. You know, like you think about the people. I get it. Um, Okay. What I would say is uh, for both fatherhood and even our friendship, I would say it's like chame. Um, Oh, okay. So with chame, I don't even know what the- Me neither. I don't know. English? Yellow melon? It's some sort of Korean yellow melon. Yellow melon. (laughs) It's it's a one with, it's white when you peel it. With all the seeds inside. And what people don't recognize is that the seeds are the best part. Mm. Like a lot of people carve that stuff out, but what you're carving away is all of that, uh, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's the white stuff that keeps all the seeds together. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the web. I'm keeping all the seeds together. That Mm. is actually the best part of the fruit. And I think in many ways, I think fatherhood, like when you're willing to like get into the down and dirty, like things that people would want to discard is like, that's, that's like a must have of the fruit, but you really just want to like get to the, the nice juicy parts, the, the, the prettier parts of when the baby is smiling and when your kids are obedient and they're killing it at a daycare and they're feeding great, sleeping great, napping great. Like it's all butterflies and rainbows. I would say like the the beauty and the best part of the fruit is like, it's it's actually that inner portion Mm. that a lot of people discard away. It's like, when I think about my moments with Elijah's first year, when I get to rehearse back to him, I'm going to, with lots of anticipation and joy, get to talk to him about the, like the countless nights Kat and I couldn't stop from crying when he, we didn't know what to do when he was in the hospital. And we're going to rehearse over him the, the anxiety and even the depression that we found ourselves in like the depth of the pit, you know, like in the valley of the shadow of like that level of, mm-hmm. because I think what that does is it, 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 it provides like the punctuating like ahas of real gratitude in parenting and the journey that we've been on together like this is actually the best part uh, it's not the the throwaways it's not like all the blowouts and 
the sleepless nights and all those things get to be part of it. And so I don't want to discard those. I want to make sure that uh, as a father, I soak all those in because I'm going to miss the days where he was dependent on me for everything. And so and even in friendship, I think for June and I, it's like the funniest parts to look back on are not the highs, but the lows. Uh, that brings about the most laughter and that brings about the most like, wow, we've come a long way. And so I would say like that, that to me is why it's like chame. Like I didn't hear any lows tonight about y'all's friendship, but. You missed a part about the woman, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting because, like, now I cut the chama seeds out for Jaden because Jaden doesn't like the seeds, right? And it just makes me think Did of, like, what Ju- I know, stop but that. he won't eat it. But then, I'm like, it kidding. makes me think of what June was saying of, like, right? Like, the identity of just a parent, right? But then, like, it's, like, all the ugly. Anyways, I'm, like, full mm. circling in my mind. Ju- June, share your fruit. <laughs> Well, I love this question. Korean yellow melon, what else? It makes me think really hard about fruit. <laughs> um, I'm going to say for fatherhood, I'm trying to extrapolate this to friendship and myself. Um, I'm going to say a banana. Yellow banana, and white as well. Boom, yeah, baby. Well, yeah, not always yellow. They don't start off as yellow. But oh. like, I think... <laughs> Hmm, depth. Think about it. <laughs> Mind blown. Write that. that down. Yep. All right. We'll call it a night. Imagine with me the last banana you had, or any time in your life that you had a banana. Have you ever had a bad banana? Yeah. Unless yes. it's like moldy rotten. Really? I've never had a bad banana when I think about it. Because the, the times I've had a bad banana <laughs> is when I've been super hungry and I've eaten it before it's ripened. But like, uh, you know how you can open an orange and like it's ripe, but it just like doesn't taste good. But banana is like so consistent at its ripest point. Like there's not a bad banana that I've ever had. Oh, you I've mean when to... it's ripe, when it's ripe. When it's yeah, ripe. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. fruits that are ripe and like you just picked a bad fruit that it's like not good. But for me, like when I think about a banana, it's like the only times it's bad is because like I've jumped the gun and eat it when it's not ripe or I've literally waited until it's like, probably better to be used for banana bread but i'm mm. just like uh, i'm just gonna eat it got your point and it, uh, and I, that I was like i've definitely eaten an over ripened <laughs> banana and have not enjoyed it <laughs> yeah like i think when i think about fatherhood it's like uh maybe this is very like uh i'm blanking on the word the the opposite of pessimistic optimistic uh, optimistic yes thank you um <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> Maybe this is very optimistic of me, but like I, I truly believe like there are no no one starts off as a bad parent. Mm. No one starts off as a bad father, no one starts off as a bad mother, no one starts off as like a, a terrible human being right away. Um and we're all kind of learning to be you know, scripture says it too, like parents ripe like bananas. what what yeah, they talk about ripe bananas. Like mm-hmm. what parent would give like a rock, a stone, you know, mm. or a snake? Like what what parent would do that? And in that regard, like Everyone's, I think, at the core, like who our parents like tried to be at some point is just either bad circumstances or bad community or bad foundations or whatever it might be. Um, and I think it's important just as the banana ripens, there's a time and place. And I think when I think about fatherhood is like, what are the things that impact a banana being too ripe or not ripe enough? And what are the things that we can do either ourselves or rely on God or a community mm. to help us get us there? I don't know. That's kind of the thought that came to mind. Probably not the best example, but I just mm. thought of a banana. 
So I'd say that in terms of friendship. And then when you and Peter met, that was the ripe banana stage. That was the ripe banana stage. That's right. (laughs) Like yum. (laughs) (laughs) It was not too green, not too brown. Mm Mm-mm. And that's I think the, that that moment at yeah. Mozart was probably a little green. You know what I mean? Uh, we were like, no, a little green. Yeah, and you had to wait. Sign. That's why you waited a little. Yeah, Peter talked smack about my hair. I mean, that was definitely the green stage. You know? Indeed. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. <laughs> well, that that <laughs> doesn't you. need to be disclosed on this podcast. Thank you. Yeah. So, Maybe uh, I should dig for that picture. <laughs> I thought this people was a podcast about fatherhood. <laughs> I just want to say that people blame me for being mean about June, but I'm the biggest mm. fan of June's progression mm-hmm. so i don't i don't i don't know i don't know what people are getting so upset about yeah well. uh, we're gonna end it with a quick game i don't know but there was supposed to be three of you guys so it's gonna be like rapid fire game but the person that is not here said i'd say we have a deep respect for one another which is a bit ironic given that i think we also know each other's flaws better than others june will go first and the first question is just on flaws which is why i read that quote which was supposed to oh, be boy. But what are what is the worst? So we'll just answer off the questions. Answer Only off. one is on flaws, and then it's answer like superlatives. Off. So the way that it'll work now is just think about your grade class of boys or men or whatever, and answer wow. whatever name comes to mind, including yourself, if you are the superlative. So you want us to bring in other people outside of? Yeah, because the... I mean, if it's just you two, it's kind. Of, is that isn't? Yeah, yeah, should we just, just, just like Peter, kind of June, Peter, June, Peter, yeah. June, Peter, yeah, 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 yeah. And it that's was right. yeah. So so that's how we'll do it, and then we'll end it with that. And if it's if it's a lame game, we'll exit out. But I I like to you know see see what happens. All right, so June, you will go first. What is the worst flaw of Peter's? Oh no, I'm not I'm not an instigator here. Joe started that, but you know the worst flaw of Peter today. Wait, today or history? Oh, should we do like every season? No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, college and then today. Bo- both. One in college and one today. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Go. Uh, oh, this is the lightning round. Like, yeah. I, just, I can't even think about it. I just yeah. got to go. You, you got to well, have these in mind. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I think about Peter's flaw every day, so I should have this in mind. Um, <laughs> I would say, okay, right off the top of my head, uh, worst flaw of Peter, uh, college. It's, it's a pro and con. Like he dreams super big and sometimes like it goes uh, ahead of execution. And so when we actually get to execution, like it doesn't always turn out the way we'd want it to. Mm. And so like in that regard, sometimes I think it, it gets uh, like putting the, the cart before the horse happens at times. Right? Wow. So, yeah. How do you guys know these terms so nicely? And today. <laughs> today, fall of Peter today. Same. I don't know. <laughs> it's gotten better. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the flaw of Peter today. Man, lightning round is so difficult. I don't know. The way his hair falls, depending on the wind, I have no okay. idea. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to ask the opposite because you guys have only loved each other, which is the key to a great male friendship. Peter, um, what is the worst flaw of June's in college and then today? Go. In college, June's worst flaw, I think in college, he cared deeply about not what everyone thought of him, but what people he wanted to think highly of him thought of him. That yep. is true. Oh, the and hair, today. Hair today? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, hair, the hair's only gone on the up and up. And yeah, come I agree. That's, That's not what he would say. Hmm. I think today... Today, his biggest flaw is that he can be a workaholic. 
Mm. And that too often his justifications of I'm working really hard for all of these right reasons mm. uh, can cause him to overwork and lose sight of the day-to-day realities mm. of it. June, do you want to... The Zahn? Oh, oh, the Zahn. <laughs> Code word. Plus one. I had to Google. What does plus one mean? Plus <laughs> anyway, one. so this part is just your... 2013ers because the groups mm. go vast and males because we're talking about male friendships right now okay superlatives yeah. who is most likely to become ceo at a top company uh lin hao zhang 100 oh. <laughs> 100%. who is most likely to call in sick at work but really at the beach it's peter going peter's going oh yeah. it's my turn my turn yeah me turn <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my turn. Uh, that is uh, Chiang Ma. Oh! <laughs> yeah, Who is yeah. most likely to land on the New York Times bestseller list? Uh, Joshua Ling. Agreed. Oh. Who is most likely to become a social media influencer? Joseph Powell. Mm-hmm. Wait, I don't know. Chris. I would think maybe Chris. Well, no, no, no. He... He follows influencers, but he has like for him to be an influencer. Ah, that's true. Wait, that has to be all guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't care enough. <laughs> he doesn't care enough about people to care enough about what they think about him as an influencer. <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> Ooh, we're getting some <laughs> juice over here. Different support. Uh, <laughs> who is most likely to cry during a sad movie? I mean, I was gonna say Joseph Bello. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. yeah. He's a man of many yeah, emotions. Interesting. Yep. I would agree with that. Joseph cries all the time. You guys can also say yourselves, you know. Oh, uh, we know. I'll say, I'll say oh, Joseph. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Who is most likely to show up on your doorstep with soup when you're sick? Uh, funny. I would choose Chris, even though what I said about him earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. Yeah. Who is most likely to go for the all-you-can-drink mimosas at brunch? Oh my goodness. These questions know. are for girlfriends, by the way. Yeah, what is the mimosa drink? drink? This is not the right question. Okay, like, who's going to get the most drink? Like, oh, who's going to take the more drinks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. He's not 2013. I know, I know. Like, there are people who are non-2013 popping in my head. Oh, uh, who who came to your mind first? Daryl Ong, for sure. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no. The, he would bring the crown bottles every time. That's right. That's true. That's, now we're just telling you how it is. Who is most likely to buy more underwear instead of doing the laundry? Josh Willing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Who is most likely to know about the hot new restaurant before everyone else? I was going to say Joe for that one as well. Oh, yeah, Joe is Joe is winning. Like Joe is Joseph is popular. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Okay. In another world, since everyone is shipped, can I say that word? Shipped. Shipped. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not up to turn. Up to yeah, date. What is the synonym? Cap, what is no the cap, '90s who, baby is synonymous? <laughs> who is most likely to have a fling while on vacation? Wait, what? But like, most of us are married. I know. I know. Like, let's say in another <laughs> world, you know, like. This is more and of like personalities. Cool. Let's let's create some fire. Oh, baby, oh, who's no, most likely no. to have a fling while on vacation? So like we might it? be thinking of June's someone, turn, right? but I think I'm June's just gonna turn. veto and <laughs> June's thinking of someone. Jim's gonna veto this one and uh, June's okay. turn. I just gotta think of. Um... 
I don't know. This is a lose lose answer, NG. <laughs> no, it has. You go. You go. Just say say your name that you. Think. Yeah. Say the name that I'm thinking. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who's most likely Who's to have a fling? On vacation. In a world where everyone is single. Yeah, yes. yeah. Like, yes. and there's no like Pre, cheating. Pre-married world. Yeah, just pre-married like okay, world. college, college when no one was even da- like, just like, I don't know, like. Oh June, yeah. Even if they're married, just say you yeah, say what you gotta say, yeah. bro. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Um, I don't think you do. Do you? I'll, I'll be I curious know. what your name is. Oh man, I feel like I've said this name a lot. I would say Joseph. <laughs> I would say Dulas. Oh. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Who is most likely to be the first one out on the dance floor? I feel like all of y'all, so which one is the most likely? First one out on the dance floor? First one? Probably Josh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh likes to get the party started. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Two more. Who is most likely to make new friends whenever they're out? Like in the town? <laughs> <Or> <laughs> you just said out. Like out. Oh, like you're at a restaurant with your friends and then you meet someone and they're now your friend. I mean, okay, so not like we're going drinking out, but we're like hanging out just mm-hmm. casually out. Like networking, but a step further. Like not just networking, like they're actually becomes friends. Whose turn is it? Is it June's turn? I would, I would say Josh. Hmm. I don't know who I'd say. Who is, who is like that? Who is good at that? I feel like at least the times, like I feel like Josh has made conversations with a ton of strangers and i feel like well you're thinking of bachelor parties where all of a sudden we have like a crowd of like 30 people we're like who are these people um maybe yeah maybe josh or joseph the, the popular names those two yeah they, they're getting a lot of <laughs> when in doubt one of them who is most likely to text on my way when they are actually still getting ready oh my gosh it's so easy christopher Hua. yes absolutely <laughs> christopher Hua. okay i hope you listen to this podcast Ew, interesting. Yeah, who's most likely to be in his underwear Easter. asleep and, <laughs> and then text on my way? Oh, yeah. my, that's so funny because he's married to Joanne who always likes to be punctual too or stuff like that. Mm. Opposites attract. Anyways, thank you guys so much for staying up so late to talk with me about life and gossip at the end. Oh, did you want to do any flaw of Peter before we close it out? Honestly, I think it's, it's, it's probably the same flaw to a lesser degree though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's gotten a lot better. Yeah. I think. But cart horse. It's a, got it. Yeah. Cart horse. Keep on dreaming big, brother. But also got a plan to also, a certain degree. Shut up. <laughs> well, I enjoyed this conversation thoroughly, but even when Peter was reflecting on just the dad stuff within growing up and then June affirming my words in a much better way with like you were able to see the processing that became the processed, you know, and like being able to affirm each other in that show just like a small snippet of like the life you guys do live together. That's really intentional and deep. So I'm glad you guys dance that depth together. And I hope you keep dancing for 30 more, 40, 50, 20, 40 more years. So cheers to you guys and cheers to all the male friendships that are so important in keeping these different life seasons together. So I hope you guys who are listening feel inspired to reach out to a male or a friend. I don't know why I'm saying male, like it's formal. <laughs> all right. You know, but just like keep in mind that those friendships are so important no matter what season you might be in and and do the do the dance you want to do so thank you guys for listening to this episode thank you june and peter for coming on and hopefully i can catch y'all again soon we hope you enjoyed color commentary Woo-hoo. thanks for having us
Thank you. Happy Father's Day to all the amazing men here and in heaven who have raised and are raising some mighty warriors in our community. I know our culture has stressed the need to sacrifice, provide, and be strong for our families, but I also want to take this time to honor the ways the dads in our lives have been challenged to show up in the emotions of joy, tears, pride, and love. The empathy, presence, and stillness are just as powerful, and sometimes the pressure of being the head of house does not always come lightly. I hope you can take time this weekend to honor and love on the amazing fathers in our lives. A special thank you to June and Peter for sharing such raw and insightful reflections on the podcast today. From your heaven-sent friendship to marriage to fatherhood, it's clear that your commitment to each other has been key in the growth you've been able to spur into your families as well. I cannot wait to see the wisdom God will continue to reveal to you both as life brings more adventure ahead. This is Unji hoping you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it as much as I did, make sure to subscribe and rate it five stars. Go to at Cooler Commentary to comment your key takeaways and share what you want to hear about next. Bye!